Hello, I'm Helen Daly. Welcome to Build It, Thou Come. Candid interviews with amazing Australian entrepreneurs who started with a humble idea and built it into something substantial and sustainable. It's the human face behind how they built it. On today's episode... I think we were both in shock. We were actually on Lord Howe Island at the time. On the phone to our other managers that are in the fire bunker as the fire is is approaching and, and going over the top of the lodge. Talk about resilience. Hayley and James Bailey, who talked last week in part one about how they built up their luxury lodges in stunning remote locations in Australia. In part two, the pair illustrate the optimism, grit and sheer resilience that marks many entrepreneurs. But in the Baileys' case, they could be forgiven if they packed up and walked away after these past two years. Today, you'll hear how they coped after bushfires swept through and completely devastated their Southern Ocean Lodge on Kangaroo Island, the jewel in the crown of their boutique hotels. What they did not only to manage and survive their business, but to be resilient and rebuild their dream and to keep as many staff as possible after first bushfire and then COVID pandemic lockdowns and border closures severely tested them. Hope you enjoy part two of my chat with Hayley and James Bailey. Hayley and James Bailey, the luxury hoteliers from Bailey Lodges, welcome back to part two. Let me ask you this. There are a million luxury accommodation offerings in beautiful locations around the world. And you've mentioned that you particularly both love the Amman resorts. What did you have to do to make yours different, to give what the US entrepreneur Mark Cuban calls, you know, the edge? You have to have an edge over your competition. Do you see it like that? Yeah, definitely. But I think uh, this was a number of factors and it was the, look, first and foremost, it's, it's the, um, the, the incredible location. But for us, it was doing something. It was celebrating Australia. And that's what I felt we did. I mean, every little detail was considered. So something like Southern Ocean Lodge and, and Capella, where and also Longitude, where you know every, whether it's the the linen you touch, whether it's the the art on the wall, whether it's the you know, side the, plate, the side plate, the amenities, you know. the shampoo, the conditioner, the body wash, everything is considered. So it's really choreographed and it's a performance. And I suppose to set us apart, I think what we did was just, as I said, just something, we did what we really loved and we combined a real passion for beautiful things and beautiful places. And we hit us upon a sort of a sweet spot in the market. And our product is different and people perceive it as experience it differently. And I think it does come down to that relaxed luxury. But that doesn't mean it's relaxed in how it's put together. It's put together in, you know, a high level of detail. Yeah, and in a very meaningful and and thoughtful way. It's interesting that now we're talking about this, it actually something else that Dad used to say, which is a little bit different, a little bit different way to look at it than what you've just what you've just said, James. But with the success of his Dix Electronics, he actually copied the ideas and the and things of others in the US that have done things very, very well. And I think that we have also done that in the sense of staying at some of the most incredible hotels and taking an idea or a detail and thinking we are gonna we're going to 
emulate that that's authentically Australian and give that as part of our experience too. And we're constantly doing that still. We stay somewhere and and we're looking where this is from and, and what's how was that made and and oh I really like this and we and then we can implement things in that are uniquely ours. But I think that's something that we've been doing since we were first together is taking the the best ideas that work in global hotels all over the world and and thinking how can we make these unique and Australian. Have you ever come close to falling over or failing? No, never. No, the business has been successful from day one. There was a very, very nerve-wracking time though. Oh, there was, the GFC. GFC. So we opened March the 4th, 2008, Southern Ocean Lodge. And, oh, my goodness. And we obviously were hoping we were going to have all these international. I'm actually going to have to correct Hayley there, and this is actually quite funny. She's actually said the birth date of oh. our fourth child, <laughs> who, was, who was born on the 4th of March 2008, two and a half weeks before we actually opened Southern You're Ocean Lodge. You're joking. Yes, so he had been, just given birth. <laughs> yes. And then yes. Yes. flew down there when he baby. was two days old. Yeah, Pre's first site visit. So you have a real was, baby and a business baby. It was it, Needless yeah. to say, the fourth child wasn't planned. <laughs> and uh, three other boys were at home under six at the time. Yeah, my mum was oh, looking after them. And well, probably by the fourth, you're saying, oh, that'll be fine. He'll be fine. I know. So we have a newborn. We open, we're opening a new hotel and the GFC is well underway. So it was very, I remember the, we'd look at the reservation, the revenue each week, the reservation figures coming in. It was quite nerve-wracking. It was. It, I suppose thinking back to that it was, time, it, it was. I remember feeling really Because we were very exposed to the US market. That was our biggest source of business for, for Southern Ocean Lodge. Just briefly, did that time and what you learnt there and how you managed through that, did that end up helping you later in success? Totally. I'm a natural marketer and that's a, seat, a bit of a seat of the pants marketer, but we had to be really nimble. And we were, we had lots and lots of offers. It was still back in the day where you did direct mail, not via email so much. And we really went out there with, with some really innovative packaging. And we, we kept that business ticking along without that international market. And something else we did, and it's actually Haley did, she choreographed a couple of very, very successful events. And she started off with one on Lord Howe Island called Expedition Lord Howe, but then also did Expedition Kangaroo Island. They were really the sort of type of people that would have previously gone on her expedition cruise ships. And in fact, we partnered at the time with Aurora Expeditions, who were old family friends of Haley's. And so what we did there was in a time that was winter, which was our down season in those early years was really not necessarily staying afloat, but we really bolstered the business by running those events. And then we uh, came up with the Kangaroo Island Food Safari, which I think ran for about six or seven yeah, years. Yeah, with Maggie Beer. She'd come Fantastic. every year. And- Fantastic. And, uh, Out of nowhere, the COVID pandemic hit in early 2020. Now, your lodges are in remote holiday places. How did you even prioritise your thinking and critical decision-making when you were first hit with the pandemic in March, April and May of 2020? Hayley, you were pretty positive when we spoke about it last week. Was it all fabulous? It's interesting because I thought about my answer last week and I thought, gee, I'm always such the glasses half full all the yes. time with me. But it has been just so much stop and start. There's been some highs and there's been some terrible lows and that's for for many businesses, but especially tourism here. So when it first happened, 
and all of a sudden you've got all these staff and what do you do and and how long is this going to go on for? It was. It was really challenging and we're just lucky that we had a, we've had a few little windows there where borders were more freely opening between, you know, in the middle of the pandemic that we've in the last two years and we were, you know, booming along for a few months, which was just fantastic. And then obviously everything happening again in June this year with with New South Wales and then the ripple effect of, of that to properties in the other states. Northern Territory, South Australia. I mean, they're all So you go from you know, one, week, yeah, one week you've got 95% occupancy, then you go down to 17%. So I think something like managed that happened. through that? Well, there's been a lot of amazing staff that have, you know, stepped in and and just done their best. We've done a lot of maintenance, I think. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I ask, did you have to let people go? Were you able to keep them on and then they did things like maintenance or new projects? I think there's been a real mix of that. I mean, we had a lot of international staff and many of the international staff went back they to had, their home, home, home countries. But with domestic, with, with the Australians that worked with us, I mean, many are, are still with us and have moved to different properties and to different roles. I mean, a number of the, you know, the staff from Southern Ocean Lodge ended up scattered around the other properties. And we're looking forward when Silky Oaks Lodge opens later this year, uh, many of the Bailey Lodge's family, the staff will come back and be working there. And what was also not necessarily interesting, but Silky Oaks Lodge has been under this massive refurbishment program right through the pandemic. So, in fact, I guess that was good timing that you didn't yeah, have well, to it do was, it while you were trying to look after Well, that's guests, right. I mean, of course, it wasn't planned that yeah. way. We just we just fluked that and it's now with reopening later this year. Hopefully that is good timing. But, I mean, n- northern Queensland has been, you know, drastically very, hit by Very, very hardly hit. And the Queensland border policy has just really, you know, driven, you know, a stake into the tourism in, in Queensland and let's so just hope feeling, we've had the end of it and well, it opens up. Are you feeling positive about Silky Oaks Lodge? Look, we are. We're feeling positive because domestic Australians will love to go somewhere new and especially Australians in our market, they, they're always looking for something new and a great opportunity. And I think Jen, with that caution with some international travel, I think there'll be some great business pick up there for us. That said, Far North Queensland relies on international tourism. That's the backbone. And also for Silky Oaks Lodge, where more than sort of 50% of our business, 60% of business would have been internationally and quite probably about 40% American. And so we you really, you're we really make need it through that back. next year? I yeah, mean, we will. Realistically. So we'll start, we won't, we won't open all the rooms to start with. So it'll be a soft, soft opening. But it'll be absolutely fabulous. And we hope to see the internationals come back, you know, sooner sooner than later. And I think with that, we've got Australia's, you know, has always been perceived as a safe destination. And I think now we can relate safe to, you know, COVID safe yeah. as well. Yeah. Hayley, was there one part of this sort of, I, I guess, 21 months at least of COVID that really pushed you out of your comfort zone? It's interesting because I love travelling. I'm always travelling. My kids probably have never spent so much time with me in one straight go because with all of these, you haven't been because of all these lockdowns. And everyone would say to me, "Oh, Haley, how are you coping? Because you're so used to being tra- traveling all the time." And I said, "Oh my god, I'm loving it." So there was many parts that personally I really enjoyed because it 
it just allowed us to really slow down and to focus on being with our families or being out in nature. And I'm a passionate scuba diver. I think in the last lockdown, I did 22 scuba dives in Sydney Harbour and I haven't dived in Sydney Harbour in 30 years. And I just found some old friends and we were meeting seahorses and weedy sea dragons and octopus and cuttlefish. And it was just this amazing, you know, getting back in touch with simple things, with nature, with family and... But in business, what pushed you out of your comfort zone? Oh, I I just think the just the pressure on everybody, the stop and the start, like watching the reservation team having to go through another, oh, we've got to cancel all of those reservations, you know, just the amount of the workload on on people. I actually think it was the state border, the state borders and the state governments. And I mean, as Australians, I don't think many of us even comprehended or knew that the state premiers could actually close their own borders. I mean, we thought we were all Australians. That's been the hardest thing, the stop start and the premiers actually just being able to close off their states. It's just been near impossible to work with. Well, you're obviously incredibly positive people because, I mean, the the pandemic took hold and restrictions started just really two months after your beautiful and much-loved Southern Ocean Lodge burnt down in the January bushfires of 2020. How heartbreaking was that? But in a business sense too, could anything be salvaged? Oh, it it was totally heart. It was it De- was heartbreaking, devast- devastating. devastating. You know, we lost. It was like a member of the family, and I think we were both in shock. I mean, I was. We, oh, we, we were actually been. on Lord Howe Island at the time at and, Capella Lodge, uh, at Capella Lodge with our managers and- on the phone to our other managers that are in the fire bunker as the fire is is approaching and and going over the top of the lodge. So and I think Haley, I don't think actually had come to grips with it that night, what was actually happening and what was going to be left. Oh, I thought I'd wake up and maybe the- It'll be fine. You know, it won't have gone to the ground. We didn't quite know in new parts that were on fire, but I I was was so optimistic. And And so there were times there that we didn't know if our team, there's five of them in the bunker under the lodge, and we didn't know if they were- going to survive because Thank the, God you the had phone a went, yeah, the phone went dead. And I mean, look, they just a couple of hours before finished doing some dishes after we'd checked, got the last guests and flown them off the island to Adelaide. They thought, oh, we better go and clean the dishes in the kitchen before, because we don't want to come back to that later. You had guests in there that, five uh, hours before the yeah, bushfire so they, uh, engulfed your property. Out, yeah, still dishes on the table from lunch. And but everyone, you know, got out, got out safely. But we were in shock. I mean, I know like days after that, I, I chartered a plane and was down on Kangaroo Island the next morning. And I still remember coming through the, the clouds descending over the southwestern end of Kangaroo Island and the smell started coming through the ventilation in the, in the aircraft. And before I saw it, I'd already, Haley had texted me the photographs that a news helicopter had got over there that morning and uh, just that, showed them the, the devastation of what. Uh, devastation. What, what was what was there, and to see it through the clouds was just you know just just heartbreaking. It was still on fire, and uh, but of course then a um, cool change had come through, and had that cool change come through, you know, eight hours earlier, the fire would have gone back the other direction, and the, the property would have been saved. 
it was not just a normal bushfire. It's what's known as a pyroplastic cloud. So the temperatures they've since worked out were over a thousand degrees Celsius. So. So it things just literally vaporized or oh. you know self combusted. But but then also quite strangely, about eighty percent of the staff village was completely intact. So you think how does a fire decide? I'm not going to take that part, but I'm going to take this part. Was, how far away is the staff village? Oh, hundred meters. It, ha- it oh, has to go. It has to, has to wow. pass the staff village before it gets down to the. There lodge. was even a. We talked about checklists in the previous episode with our procedures. There was even the car detailing checklist in one of the garages flapping in the wind. A laminated card, perfectly sitting there, and then the the next wall, the whole thing's just melted and gone. No, so it was quite quite incredulous. But you asked just before about what survived. Well, a couple of interesting things survived. The fireplace, which was an iconic fireplace that we'd imported from France, was still hanging in the the mash of steel. And in fact, that fireplace will, is being refurbished and will hang again in Southern Ocean Lodge too. So that's that's a really cool story. And Sunshine the Kangaroo that Indiana James, a local artisan who made Sunshine, it's about a one and a half life size of a Kangaroo Island male kangaroo out of found machinery, found tractor parts. So Sunshine was still standing there in the great room. He had glass eyes that had melted, but the glass eyes have already been replaced. He's fully refurbished and and ready to come back. So you made the decision, which again must have been a really difficult decision, to do Southern Ocean Lodge, what, 2.0? Yeah, it is 2.0. And what a privilege to be able to do something again, because when you do something the first time, there's always a few things you think, oh, I wish I'd done that a little bit differently. And even though we saw Southern Ocean Lodge, well, Southern Ocean Lodge 1, I suppose it is now, even though we saw as timeless and we just passed our 10th birthday and we actually turned the phrase 10 and timeless. But now we've got this incredible opportunity to recreate and eerily, some parts will be almost the same. I mean, the same stone, for example, is already coming to us. You know, it comes from overseas. The uh, the limestone on the floors and it's sandblasted, and that's already ordered. So exactly the same from the same quarry in Sardinia. And so the great room. You'll walk into the great room, and it will be the same, even down to the furniture, the furnishings. The, the, that that. Will but be of the course, same. there'll be some wonderful improvements. And as times moves on, it gives us the opportunity in the guest suites to change the style, change it up a bit and do things a bit differently. And Max Pritchard, the architect who we remain great friends with today, he said, oh, you know, we, we got the, you know, the main lodge, we got the, the the great room, we got that totally right. But with the guest rooms, what about we just turn them slightly so they all just have this better view? And it was amazing to be able to look at that again and go, and we did. So within the same floor plate, they're just being reorientated and lots of, you know, special new surprises like and I, that. And I think for sustainability and what we're able to do with the solar and things like that have come, the technologies have come a long yeah. way. So that's exciting as yeah. well. I think from a community's point of view, there were a lot of people that were cheering you on and saying, thank you for rebuilding because that's a big issue too and it's obviously costly and, you know, whether insurance is paying or whatever, it's still a huge chunk out of your lives to rebuild rather than just say, oh, well, we've got to walk away. So I think a lot of people felt that was very courageous and fantastic of you to do that. And it is exciting for the island and all, all the businesses and the producers that supply the lodge and to be able to, to bring those partnerships and relationships back again. 
I yeah. think we actually, I think, see it as our, in a way, it's our duty. We were very lucky. It was a privilege to develop Southern Ocean Lodge in such a, an incredible landscape, an incredible property. And so many people supported that, you know, from the South Australian Tourist Commission to Tourism Australia. And in fact, it's looked back on now in many cases as a, you know, a test case, a great example of cooperation between, you know, private enterprise and government. And it was very much the pinup for South Australia. And so we felt that it's really our duty to bring it back. And I think it's something that's so special to us that it would awful, awful for not to be there. How do you think you changed as leaders? Or what did you learn about yourself as business leaders, as, as entrepreneurs in, this, in your business through this very challenging, this latest challenging period? I think probably what I learned was that you have to be nimble and you have to be able to change and you've got to trust your team because they're the ones you can't do it all by yourself that they've got to actually implement those changes and really it's build up resilience and resilience is a good word and it's something that you can apply across you know the fires covid just got to you know hold your head up and move forward keep and going I, and i also think to be there for your team in the best way you possibly can and i know that with the world of zoom and people working remotely i know james and i are firm believers that as soon as we can get everyone back into the office and and us being around and and i think we try to do that as best we could as well during uh, you know as restrictions allowed but it's just so important to be face to face and communicate in that way I'm just going to ask you a few final questions that I ask most of my guests and only short answers need to be. What are you obsessed about at the moment, be it a cause, a book? Ocean conservation, very passionate about doing, I'm doing some volunteer work towards getting philanthropists to give more money to ocean causes because a very small percentage of money goes to the environment as it is and even more so to our oceans. So I'm working on something called the Sapphire Project and looking forward to our inaugural fundraising event on World Oceans Day, June the 8th next year. James, have you got something well, you're obsessed about? Well, Heidi's doing that. I think I'm just always obsessed about the details. So, <laughs> <laughs> so very much the details upcoming of Southern Ocean Lodge too. There's a lot going on in the background and with the reopening pegged for mid-23, there's a lot of details to get through. <laughs> what would you say to a young person or any person who wants to pursue an idea, pursue their humble dream? What would you say to them, Hayley? It's a lot of hard work. Do something you're passionate about so it actually doesn't feel like it's a lot of hard work. Go for it. Exactly. Just get out and do it. Have the guts. Do it. And work hard. Hayley and James Bailey, it's been a great pleasure speaking to you, the hoteliers behind the luxury Bailey Lodges. Thank you so much for joining me on Build It, They'll Come. Thanks so much. Thanks, Helen. I hope you enjoyed Build It, They'll Come. Let me know via Twitter and LinkedIn. Better still, let your family, friends and colleagues know by sharing it around your networks. And I'd love you to give it a star rating on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for others to find us. Be sure to subscribe as there are plenty of upcoming episodes you don't want to miss with more amazing innovators and entrepreneurs on how they turn their light bulb idea into an empire.